me is just that's unbelievable. Telling it like it is, whether it's what you want to hear or not. I think there's some truth to that, but I still think you're a total homer, but <laughs> right. yeah, I think there is some truth to yeah. that. Teddy Lehman and Tyler McComas, The Rush, weekdays from 3 to 6, on the home of Sooner fans, The Ref Sports Radio Network. For three generations, the John M. Ireland and Son Funeral Home and Chapel in Morris continued to serve the community by giving back to local schools, charitable organizations, and first responders. We provide pre-planning for funerals and cremation services at the most reasonable prices. We are proud to be a family-owned and operated funeral home. Award-winning funeral home year after year. Our family believes in serving the people of our community. I'm John Ireland. And I'm Solon Daniels. You've You've got got our our word word on it. It's Haunted Heyday the entire month of October at Heyday in Norman. October 1st through the 31st, food and drink specials all month long. The 14th through the 24th, buy two, get one free all-access wristbands. And October 25th through the 31st, buy one, get one all-access wristbands. On October 28th, it's the Haunted Heyday Bash all day with a blow-up obstacle course and bounce house, face painting, costume contest, and trick-or-treating plus live music. Visit them online at heydayfun.com slash hauntedheyday for all the spooky details. Hey, wouldn't it be great if life came with a remote control? You know, you could hit pause when you needed to, or hit rewind. Like that time you knocked down that wasp's nest. Uh Uh-oh. Well, life doesn't always give you time to change the outcome. But pre-diabetes does. With early diagnosis and a few healthy changes, you can stop pre-diabetes before it leads to type 2 diabetes. To learn your risk, take the one-minute test today at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. It's time for the Steelman and Thune at noon with Mike Steely and Parker Thune. Hit the guys up on the Riverwind Casino calling line at 405-329-9000 or shoot the guys a text on the Air Comfort Solutions text line at 405-651-3439. Live from the Brown O'Haver Studios, here's Mike Steely and Parker Thune. Here we are. It is a Monday, and I am coming to you from a great place on a great-looking Monday. I am here at Gallardia Country Club. It is the inaugural For the Children Golf Classic, benefiting Feed the Children, a great local organization. Started out locally back in the 70s, and uh, they have gone global, feeding children and doing uh, various charity work around the world. They've done great work in Oklahoma around the world as well. So I'm out here at Gallardi. I'm rubbing elbows, Drake. I, I've i already been in the pro shop and made a purchase. Already been in the pro shop and made a purchase. Uh, you give me around a golf pro shop, I've got to leave with something. So uh, we are out here today. And uh, once again, we want to thank the folks out here at Gallardia for hosting us and Feed the Children. We'll tell you what's happening here, but uh, a great charity golf event. And uh, this is the first For the Children Golf Classic out here at Gallardia Country Club. Now, Drake Dykins is going to join me uh, for the first couple segments. You know the gig on Monday uh, for the uh, uh, Ted Roof. I-, I think it was DeMarco Murray today, if I'm not mistaken, in for Jeff Levy. Maybe he had both. We'll find out from Parker coming up in a little bit. Uh, I was on the road getting up here, which is a little bit of a trek from uh, the radio station in Norman. But what a great-looking uh, fall Monday it is out here. You don't har- have hardly any Oklahoma wind. 
Uh, but it's a beautiful day out here for the for the Children Golf Classic here at Gallardia Country Club. Drake Dykin, how are you? How was the trip to Ames? Uh, it was excellent still, man. It was a great broadcast that we had on. It was just sandwiched between two very long drives. But uh, heavy lies the crown on that type of stuff, being able to work on that crew, work those games. Uh, every once in a while, you'll have to make that long trip to Ames, Iowa. So it, it was good, though. Uh, no no mishaps as far as driving or anything like that. Um, just a few more pit stops than some of us would have liked, but... Uh, aside from that, you go up there, get a dub. It was a uh, it was a good work trip this weekend. Yeah, and the Sooners again. Uh, I said on the pregame show, man, it's kind of the old uh, Al Davis mentality: just win, baby. That's what you got to try and do every week. They've now string strong uh, two wins back to back. The Kansas win, and they had the bye week, and then they go out and beat Iowa State over the weekend. And yeah, the offense had some miscues, but again, the defense. Rose to the occasion. They had three picks. Woody Washington, Justin Broyles, the big one from Danny Stutzman. The special teams were unbelievable. How about Michael Turk officially with a touchdown pass? 260-plus uh, punts in the game, too. One of those where he had about five yards near the uh, back of the end zone, so he flipped the field a lot for Oklahoma. Special teams were huge for the Sooners. The fake field goal was pure wizardry i love the call sooners find a way to win you get ready for baylor coming up uh this saturday at two o'clock on espn plus our pregame show will begin at 10 a.m for the sooners and the baylor bears coming up saturday but uh, just a good win for oklahoma like i said you take a win you get out of Ames any way you can get it uh marvin mims had a very tough day obviously uh you know i know the first play of the game would have been called back anyway but that ball is right there in his hands Marvin Mims is a tremendous talent, great Sooner, just had a rough day. Uh, but, you know, I think the offense uh, against that Iowa State defense, not too bad. Eric Gray went over 100 yards rushing again, got knocked out of the game for a little bit, just needed to get stretched again. Shouldn't be an issue moving forward for Baylor this Saturday. So overall, a thought, uh, I thought a nice dub for Oklahoma over Iowa State on Saturday. Let's hear from Brent Venables, the head man. Uh, pretty happy afterwards and says his guys approached the game the right way over the weekend. Our guys brought it and, again, had the right mindset. Starts with having just a you know, mindset of a champion. Doesn't mean you're a champion. Just means, like, this is what it takes. And if you don't have it right in the mind, first and foremost, you know, uh, you're not going to achieve that. So the guys have had the right mindset. And, again, I'm just we're getting better. That's what I would say. And... Uh, you get better, you grow confidence, and you have a little bit of edge and swag through the work that you're doing, you know, by doing the hard over and over and over and over and over, doing the little things over and over and over, making him run all the way off the field in practice, making him run back if he doesn't do it, you know, not looking the other way with the little things. It's always about the little things. Well, and the big thing is the Sooners escape with a victory, and they have a chance to uh, keep building on some momentum here at the uh, end of the season. Again, we talked about this uh, before the trip to Ames, that every game left on the Oklahoma schedule could be a W, could be an L, and I kind of still feel that way, but I like the uh, the improvement we're seeing from the Sooner football team. Some way, if you can win out and win a bowl game and get to 10-3, and three, which I, I think that probably is still a little bit too much to ask. I think, uh, you know, I'm looking maybe now at 8-4 and four for Oklahoma in a bowl game, but if somehow you can win out and if they play – 
solid football and play complimentary football. That was the phrase everybody was uh, using after the game Saturday in Ames, complimentary football, and, and really they had that. The offense did uh, enough. The defense uh, rose to the occasion. I know that Iowa State certainly is no juggernaut on offense, but again, uh, you know, you make some big plays, you get some turnovers, and then the special teams are outstanding for Oklahoma, and the recipe, uh, you know, leads to a victory for the Sooners in Ames. So uh, the good news is the Sooners are getting better. And uh, the defense is, again, you had really maybe one bust, and that was the uh, the fourth down pass over the middle where Danny Stutzman kind of lost uh, the receiver and they ended up scoring a touchdown. But uh, you're not seeing the colossal busts that you had like in the TCU game. You're not seeing the horrible run fits you've seen earlier in the year. Certainly wasn't perfect defense, but it was good enough defense and very opportunistic and I think those guys are gaining confidence in the system now, which is a good thing to see because, let's face it, man, in that TCU game, uh, they they certainly look lost. So if somehow you can rebound from those three, you know, twilight zone games, and it really felt like it all started on third and 16 when Adrian Martinez made that play for K-State, um, you know, things kind of went south for Oklahoma through uh, the end of the Cotton Bowl losing to Texas 49 to nothing, but uh, they're starting to get more of a grasp and a feel for this defense, starting to get some confidence back. Uh, that's good to see. Uh, with Dylan Gabriel at quarterback, the Sooners going to be able to move the football. You feel like, again, uh, they could have scored a lot more points. Uh, Marvin Mims had some uncharacteristic uh, drops in the game. Uh, Theo Weiss had uh, a ball in his hands for a big play. So uh, they were close again. Uh, but you got to make those plays, man. you got to make those plays down the stretch, particularly against the Baylor and Oklahoma State. Morgantown will not be easy. Texas Tech, I know Baylor went in there and won that game over the weekend. Pretty impressive by Dave Aranda and the Bears. But you've got to make those plays, man, if you're going to win out. You, but, again, bottom line is you get the win, you get some more momentum, and maybe you finish out this season and uh, – you know, somehow get to 10 wins if you get to a bowl game and win that, which would be unbelievable for the Sooners if uh, they could somehow accomplish that and, again, get to 10 victories. Anyway, I'm here. Where am I? Gallardia Country Club, again, for the uh, first ever, the first ever for the children golf classic benefiting Feed the Children, a, a local organization that's done a lot of good work in Oklahoma City and has expanded around the globe and has uh, done a lot of good charity work for a lot of people around the globe, not just here in Oklahoma. So I did see Teddy Lehman in the pro shop. He uh, he was confident his team might have a chance to finish somewhere in the middle of the pack. So we'll see. Anyway, uh, we do have Caden McFarland coming up today at 135. We'll also talk about, man, Oklahoma State got uh, man, manhandled in Manhattan, 48 to nothing. So you talk about the Sooners losing the Cotton Bowl 49 to nothing, and then Mike Gundy and company just get pushed around by Kansas State over the weekend in Manhattan, and that was ugly. Uh, Oklahoma State a little bit beat up. Spencer Sanders leaving the game, looking like he is still uh, not anywhere near 100%, but K-State played a great game. I mean, Will Howard was really good, particularly early in the game. Deuce Vaughn was a problem like he normally is, and that game got out of hand early. And this is the Purple Haze year in the Big 12. 
clearly TCU with the win in Morgantown and K-State uh, now getting the inside track to a spot in Arlington as well with a big win over Oklahoma State. Uh, man, um, start of the year, I, I think a lot of people kind of like K-State is a sleeper in the league. There wasn't a lot of talk about uh, TCU, I, although didn't the Bear – uh, in the first pregame show on College Game Day, say that he liked TCU to win the league. The Bear, the Bear knows some stuff. There is no doubt about it. But uh, we'll get ready for Oklahoma and Baylor coming up this weekend, two o'clock ESPN Plus. Yes, ESPN Plus. Uh, you didn't get the Rooster kickoff, <clears throat> but you did get ESPN Plus for this weekend. All right. Uh, Parker should be with us for the third segment again over at the press conference today. You know how that works on Mondays and on Tuesday. By the way, Brent Venables talking about uh, the approaches Sooners had in the game Saturday. That was our Ortho Central clip of the day. When injuries occur on Friday night, Ortho Central Saturday Injury Clinic is open each and every Saturday from 8.30 a.m. to 9.30 a.m., actually 8 a.m. to 9.30 a.m. throughout the football season. Free evaluations for high school athletes and their sports injuries they might incur on a Friday night or a Thursday night. Bring them in still on Saturday, and they will take a look at those injuries and do their very best to get them back on the field because Ortho Central is all about turning setbacks into comebacks. All right, we're here at Gallardia Country Club. Mike Steely with you on this uh, Monday edition of Steelman and Thune at noon. We'll take a quick break right here. I want to thank our uh, opening hour sponsor, and that would be Tim Lasher and uh, Lasher Home Comfort Systems. Thank you, Timmy. Appreciate it. 405-579-3113. Any heating and air need you have, they'll meet it for you with professional service at a really, really fair price. Lasher Home Comfort Systems, 405-579-3113. Break time right here. We'll come back. And uh, we'll talk more Sooner football next here on the home of Sooner fans, the ref. Stream at home. Shop the latest ref gear. Read the latest issues of Boyd Street or 19th Street Magazine. And listen to the podcast for your favorite ref shows. Just visit the all-new KREF.com website. At Lander Chevrolet of Norman, we're proud to be part of something good. A community of people, the big thinkers, and the dream seekers that all work hard to make this place we call home a little better. Right in the heart of this great state our great state and right now get great deals like 2500 off msrp on the new 2022 custom silverado plus we want to buy your car and we'll pay you today lander chevrolet of norman is driven to serve wac and ttnl cd for details hi i'm trevor turner with rk black rk black is the leading provider of copier fax printer scanner document management and information technology solutions to small and medium-sized organizations in and around oklahoma When you think of a big league company, think R.K. Black. R.K. Black is the official provider of the Oklahoma City Thunder with Sharp. Let R.K. Black and Sharp become your official service provider for your office needs. Visit us online at rkblack.com or call 943-9800. Wake up with Toby Rowland. Not much to talk about. We'll figure out a way to cobble our way through three hours. And T.J. Perry. (laughs) What a bomb. What a complete bomb. The T-Row in the Morning Show. It's what a sports show sounds like when people remember to have fun. You know I'm not a Halloween guy. I think it all stems back when I was in the church youth group in Mustang growing up. And they had a hay 
bail bait. And I did not know at this point in my life that I am a claustrophobic individual. (laughs) (laughs) This was the night that I found that out. I was praying. I was in there. I was praying. God, get me out of this. You act like you were trapped for hours. It was probably like 30 seconds. No, it was at least 15 minutes. (laughs) T-Row and TJ, weekdays from 6 to 9 a.m. on the home of Sooner fans. The Ref Sports Radio Network. The new and improved mobile app and online banking platform is now available at OU Federal Credit Union. Register for access by clicking New to Online Banking at OUFCU.com or the OUFCU mobile app. Experience enhanced features such as email and text message alerts, single sign-on functionality for all features, internal and external transfers, and more. That's all from OU Federal Credit Union, 2000 West Lindsay, OUFCU.com, or call 405-325-2211 today. This is the sound of giraffes being placed on the endangered species list for the very first time. This is the sound of wild populations plummeting by nearly 40% over the last 30 years. This is the sound of a silent extinction. Help giraffes break the silence by joining San Diego Zoo Global Wildlife Conservancy at endextinction.org and be heard for the herd. When a parent struggles with addiction or dies from a drug overdose, what happens to their children? Far too many end up in foster care, unable to ever return to their birth homes because it's simply not safe. The Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption is fighting the clock so that teens don't age out of foster care, leaving them at a higher risk of addiction and other negative outcomes that can happen to a child without the love and stability of a permanent family. Learn more at DaveThomasFoundation.org. Mama, what does the chicken say? Uh, dog. Cat. Giraffe. Giraffe, really? Giraffe. Uh, giraffe. You're not going to get it all right. Just make sure you nail the big stuff, like making sure your kids are buckled correctly in the right seat for their age and size. Get it right. Visit NHTSA.gov. Slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. We are back. Mike Steely with you, Steelman and Thune at noon here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. I'm here at Gallardia Country Club. It is the first ever, the inaugural for the Children Golf Classic, benefiting Feed the Children, Feed the Children serving uh, children and their families in nearly every state of the USA and now eight countries around the world doing great work uh, and, again, uh, raising funds at this benefit golf tournament today. The For the Children Golf Classic, again, and Feed the Children, a local organization that has also grown globally. Uh, Tim Lasher, Lasher Home Comfort System, sponsoring our first hour, 405-579-3113. If you need uh, any heating or AC work done, uh, they will get it done for you. They've done work for us at Shea Stadium. They'll do great work for you as well. We'll see if it works out for the Sooners today. Caden McDonald, four-star defensive lineman. Are you there? Tell us what's happening today. This is Caden McDonald, four-star defensive tackle out of Georgia. I'm coming on Holloway Hooley B. Well, I mean, that's what we want to know. That's what we want to know. It's either going to be Oklahoma, Ohio State, Clemson, or 
Michigan, perhaps Florida. Those are his final five. Oklahoma, Ohio State, Clemson, Michigan, and Florida. Uh, We'll talk to Parker more about this coming up here in a little bit. But I did see that one of the guys from uh, on three, uh, I think, picked him to go to Ohio State. We'll see. Uh, But that, I believe, is happening at 6 o'clock on his time, Kate McDonald's time, which I believe would be 5 o'clock for us here in the state of Oklahoma. So we should have an announcement, uh, I would say, by 5.15 today, uh, if I'm reading it correctly. And we'll talk to Parker about that coming up. How about college football over the weekend? A&M goes down again. Connor Wegman looked really good, though, man. He threw for over 300 yards. Jimbo Fisher, why, why hadn't you pulled the trigger yet? On that star. Uh, so, uh, again, 31-28, Ole Miss wins in College Station. A&M uh, goes to 3-5. and five. A little bit of a, a gig. Uh, really, Lane Kiffin was gigging the Aggies himself when he uh, was asked, you know, if he had a Halloween costume or anything in mind. He said, maybe Jimbo can give me a Joker outfit. So, uh, typical Lane Kiffin stuff. Uh, Georgia hammered Florida in that game. Uh, that rivalry game, 42-20, to and that game in Athens at 2.30 this Saturday is huge. Tennessee and Georgia, that is about as big as it's going to get. Uh, we thought, you know, Bama-Tennessee was big, and that was a great game, very enjoyable. But Tennessee at 8-0, Georgia at 8-0, uh, great matchup there coming up 2.30 Saturday on CBS. All right, did I hear that Parker's back? Parker is back. Is that right? There you are. So what time is the Caden McDonald deal today? Is it 6 o'clock or 5 o'clock? I, I was thinking it would be 5 o'clock our time. Oh, gosh, I need to double-check that. I don't know for sure. I just know. As of right now, uh, things kind of up in the air in that regard, but the safe money is definitely on Ohio State based on the way that things kind of swung over the weekend. So uh, Buckeyes look like the odds-on favorite to land McDonald's services, but – as there has been throughout the duration of this recruitment, there's a certain shroud of mystery that cloaks the whole deal. So uh, you saw Oklahoma make another defensive line offer in the 2023 class yesterday. If you're connecting the dots, if you're reading between the lines, you'd think that means OU realizes they're not getting McDonald. Uh, but we'll we'll wait for a decision to give final confirmation in that regard. But, yeah, as I mentioned, uh, Ohio State looks like the safest bet as to where the four-star defensive lineman is going to commit later today. All right. Uh, yeah, I thought I saw one of the TV stations in that area say uh, 6 o'clock for uh, Cade McDonald, uh, which would be 5 o'clock our time. But we can we can double-check that. Bottom line is it's happening sometime uh, later this afternoon, and the Sooners, again, uh, look like they may lose out on this one. And Oklahoma made a nice run. But you never know what's going to happen at the last second. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, somebody asked me the other day, would you rather have Caden McDonald or Peyton Bowen? And I said I'd rather have Peyton Bowen. His thought was, well, you need interior defensive linemen. I'm like, well, look, McDonald's not the only guy they can get. They, they can still go after some other guys in this class. But to me, if you can flip Peyton Bowen from Notre Dame, uh, man, that dude has Sundays written all over him. I mean, he is he's a guy. You've been there. You've seen it uh, right there, you know, in person, Parker. And uh, I, I said I'd, I'd much rather have Peyton Bowen. And I know the thought is among a lot of OU fans, man, you got to get these interior defensive linemen. That's huge, particularly going to the SEC. But 
I don't know, Peyton Bowen uh, looks as good as any prospect out there I've seen. And he's got, you know, a teammate right there in Jackson Arnold, who's the Sooners' five-star quarterback commit. But, man, if they could uh, get that done down the stretch. Uh, is Who's going to the uh, Notre Dame-Clemson game this weekend? <laughs> well, that's a great question. Uh, the word for quite some time has been that both Peyton and Eli Bowen are going to make that trip. I t- I don't know if that happens right now, Steely. Uh, my thought for quite some time has been that they will end up taking that visit in the end just because uh, they're really making the circuit this fall for a variety of reasons, uh, one of which is getting everybody, getting the whole family on the exact same page uh, with regard to a school of choice. Obviously, OU has the girlfriend factor at play with Peyton Eli really likes Oklahoma, but uh, mom has been partial to Notre Dame uh, for quite some time. And so that's been something that uh, has been a point of contention over the course of that recruiting process. But to answer your question, Steely, I think I, I, I don't think there's any question. Anybody that's watched those two play, and it's no knock on Caden McDonald, but anybody that's watched those two play and has the capacity to project what they're going to do at the next level – Anybody worth their salt would tell you the Sooners would much rather have Peyton Bowen than Caden McDonald because you don't find difference makers like that in the secondary in every single class. Peyton Bowen's a five-star for a reason. He's, what, the number 25 overall player in the nation for a reason. This is a guy that's going to be an impact player at the University of Oklahoma from the second he steps on campus if the Sooners do lock up his commitment. So we've talked about the parallels between him and Billy Bowman. As you recall, Bowman was a guy that started from day one as a true freshman. I'm not saying that should be the expectation for Peyton Bowen, but I think that's very much on the table just based on how good of a football player he is and how ready he is right now to make that transition. Yeah, I mean, if you could get the the safety firm of uh, Bowman and Bowen together at some point that that would be uh, something that Sooner fans would love to see there's no doubt because you know Peyton Bowen like Billy Bowman was and again Billy Bowman was a highly ranked four star uh, when he came out and keep in mind he was committed to Texas before he switched to Oklahoma the girlfriend factor played uh, played in big down the stretch there but uh, you know he was big in the return game as well played offense Billy Bowman did uh, in high school, and, uh, you know, Peyton Bowen certainly looks like – you saw what he did last week. He took the opening kickoff back for a touchdown so he could be big in the return game as well. Yeah, he's very ex- – uh, he's exceedingly versatile. It's not often you get a natural safety, which is what Peyton Bowen is, that can also contribute in the return game. That type of versatility is rare. And so, again, if you're talking about true difference makers in the back end of the Oklahoma defense – and look – Everybody talks about how strong play on the defensive side of the football starts up front, and that's true. I'm not trying to disavow that. However, if you can draw a common denominator between the Sooners' defensive struggles over the course of the last 10, 15 years, Steely, honestly, the common denominator more so than anything else is the play of the secondary. The secondary has been iffy consistently for years and years at the University of Oklahoma. And the Sooners have not been without elite play in the trenches over the years. You think about just last year, you had Perrion Winfrey, Nick Benito, Isaiah Thomas, three NFL guys on the exact same defensive line. And it didn't, well, I, I shouldn't say it didn't matter. But 
what they were able to do was somewhat undone, somewhat neutralized by the inconsistency in the back end, in the secondary. And so if you can start piecing together an elite defensive backfield, the likes of Billy Bowman and Peyton Bowen and Makari Vickers and guys like Josiah Wagner, Robert Spears Jennings, Gentry Williams, that's going to make things easier on your front four as well. It works in retrograde, right? Yes, I think in a general sense, most everybody would agree that strong play in the trenches sets things up well for the other two levels of your defense. But by the same token, if your defensive backfield is stingy and the linebackers come along and they will under the direction of Brent Venables, then conversely, that's going to make life easier for the big boys up front as well. No doubt. I'm here at Gallardia Country Club. It is for the children, the big golf tournament benefiting Feed the Children. Great local organization. Started out locally in the 70s. They have gone global. They have helped people and families around the world. All right. Riverwind Casino can help you with some great new promotions underway right now. The electric earnings promotion. Get out there and earn 500 points on your wild card and receive a pair of JBL wireless earbuds. The electric earnings promotion beginning today. It's underway today out at Riverwind. Uh, This month, get out there and, again, earn 500 points on your wild card, and you will receive a pair of JBL wireless earbuds. Don't forget, Bedlam Beats and Bites also coming up November 18th, the evening before Bedlam, Under the Stars, Outdoors at Riverwind, presented by Phillips 66. We'll have a great show with the Eli Young Band and Wade Bowen. Tickets are only $5 at the box office in the casino or at riverwind.com. That's going to be a heck of a show. Food trucks everywhere, all your favorites. Folding chairs, they're recommended. Bring them. Bring the kids. It's a kid-friendly environment. It'll be a great time outdoors Friday night, November 18th, at uh, the Beats and Bites Bedlam Show. This is a special event, the Beats and Bites Bedlam Edition, Friday night, November 18th. Again, tickets, $5 right now at riverwind.com. All right, break time. Mike Steely, Parker Thune with you. Parker inside the Brown O'Haver Studios. I'm here at Gallardia Country Club. We'll break. Come back, talk more recruiting and more on Parker's impressions of the Sooners' win in Ames. He was there over the weekend. We'll get to that. Coming up next here on The Ref. Here we are on a Monday, Mike Steely, Parker Thune with you. It is the For the Children golf event out here at Gallardia Country Club. And uh, once again, great, great 
Fall Monday out here. Man, it couldn't be any better. It could not be any better. It is pretty much the perfect day for golf as well. Maybe about a five-mile-an-hour wind out here. It's great. Feels good out here. All right, uh, we are brought to you by this hour, Lasher Home Comfort Systems, 405-579-3113. Feed the children started locally in the 70s. Global reach now. They serve so many families around the state of Oklahoma, around the United States as well, just about every state in over eight countries around the globe. So their reach is far and wide, doing great things uh, in the world for families in need. And right now, like price hikes at the grocery store, you know what that's all about. If you've been to the grocery store, it's like, man, it just cost me $150. You got two sacks of groceries. Well, that that is, you know, had an impact on lower-income families around the world, uh, you know, made uh, going to the grocery store a lot less affordable and that's where an organization like feed the children steps in over the last year food costs have risen food costs have risen by nearly 15 percent and uh, that is a huge increase the biggest since 1981 but that's where a great organization like feed the children can come in to help all right parker you were in uh, ames what did you think of the sooners victory over iowa state how would you grade it well it was different wasn't it, Steely? It was not the type of win that you're used to seeing from Oklahoma. And Brandon Drum and I were discussing this on the OU Insider Under the Visor postgame podcast. It it was a convincing win. It was a complimentary win. It was a game that Oklahoma controlled and handled from start to finish. But a 27-13 victory just isn't the flavor that OU fans are accustomed to. And there were plenty of people that were displeased with the win on Saturday. But... You look at the performance across the board. The offense did what they needed to do. The defense did what they needed to do. Special teams loomed large in this football game, which is something that we had talked about heading into this contest, Sealy, is how much special teams matters, especially against a team like Iowa State. And so I think what Brent Venables said on Tuesday heading into this contest held a lot of merit at the time and you certainly saw it when those two teams hit the field on Saturday Venable said look we need to play well to win we don't have to play perfect but we need to play well and we need to play complete football and they did that it was not flawless in any regard but that right there is what winning football looks like the Sooners played winning football on Saturday they did not play They did not simply just play winning offense. They didn't simply just play winning defense or winning special teams. They played winning football as a collaborative, collective effort in all three phases of the game. And so I was encouraged by it, Steely, particularly on the defensive side, because if you take away that bust on 4th and 12 in the fourth quarter, the Sooners give up six points in that football game. I know Iowa State isn't a tremendously dangerous offensive team, which is something that we had discussed ad nauseum heading into the game. But I don't care who you are. I don't care who you're playing. If you give up 13 points, you're going to win football games, Steely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, I think the, uh, the defense is gaining some confidence. They're, they're clearly starting to understand uh, this system a little bit more. And uh, I, Deshaun White was everywhere. He had a great game. He had three picks. You had Woody. You had uh, Justin Broyles and, of course, Danny Stutzman. Uh, and again, I, I, I think they, uh, Billy Bowman got back in there a little bit, got his legs underneath him again. So you would think he'd be better 
even in better shape to go and uh, have more of an impact in the Baylor game coming up this weekend. Uh, man, it, it sure was a rough day for Marvin Mims. You don't see many of those, but it felt like the Sooners could have been in the 40s points-wise, um, you know, but, man, they, it, Marvin Mims is, is a great player, but, man, he had a rough day, and I know people talk about, well, you know, the first play, it would have been called back anyway. Well, okay, I get that, but that's still, that's right there in his hands. What if there wasn't a hold on that play? You know, you've got uh, you've got a touchdown on the first play of the, of the game, and it didn't work out that way for OU. Marvin Mims is too good of a player. He'll bounce back. That's that's uh, a certainty. But uh, offensively, you know, against a pretty good defense, the you know, Dylan Gabriel's uh, numbers don't leap off, uh, you know, the stats page. But, again, he didn't get a ton of help from a couple of his receivers. So what did you think, again, of the uh, – of the offense against a pretty uh, highly rated Iowa State defense. I thought Dylan Gabriel was sharp, and I think the 15 of 26 stat line really doesn't do justice to his performance because uh, we talked about the fact that there were quite a few drops. There were quite a few balls uh, that Gabriel put out there for his wide receivers to go make a play on, and they just didn't make a play on him. And so Honestly, I thought he was a lot more efficient, a lot more effective than that 15 of 26, 148 and one touchdown stat line would indicate. I think he's steadily getting better week over week, and I've been really encouraged with what he's done since coming back from that concussion in particular. You know what's interesting, Steely? I was talking about this with a few folks this morning. When nobody is talking about the offensive line, that's how you know the offensive line is playing well. And they are playing well. Yeah, as good of late. point. They have been outstanding. They've only surrendered five sacks in Big 12 play. Eric Gray is looking like one of the best running backs, maybe not just in the Big 12, but in the entire country. And that has a lot to do with the play up front in the trenches offensively for Oklahoma. But when you're not hearing any Bill Biedenboe criticism, when nobody's blowing up the text line about how bad the offensive line looks and when's it ever going to get better. That's generally your first clue that that area of the football team is doing just fine, and they are right now. When we're not talking about the offensive line, generally what that means is the offensive line is holding up their end of the bargain, and they have been a really understated, really undervalued, but really crucial uh, asset in these last two victories for Oklahoma. Yeah, they, they've done a nice job. Uh, Eric Gray got knocked out of the game for a little bit, not not a concern. He did post-game interviews afterwards, said he really needed to stretch out more than anything else. He's been unbelievable. Jalil Farouk, it seems like every week we're talking more and more about uh, Jalil Farouk you know, needing more touches because the touches he gets are pretty good ones. And I think you can say that about a lot of guys in this Oklahoma offensive attack, and this is one of the things that we talked about coming into the year, right? If uh, There were only going to be so many touches to go around, and so there were going to be weeks where Jalil Farouk only touched the ball three or four times, and there are going to be weeks where he ends up getting double-digit touches, but he's one of those weapons, and I think you can throw Gavin Freeman into this conversation as well. He's one of those guys where you just want to get him the ball. You just want to get the ball in his hands at times. And the Sooners have done that on jet sweeps. They did it with Farouk in the Wildcat package a couple times on Saturday. Uh, He is incredibly versatile as an offensive weapon. And the more you can exploit that, the more you can take advantage of whatever mismatches present themselves in terms of personnel. 
You're going to want to do that with a guy like Jalil Farouk. And so especially with the day that Mims had on Saturday, kind of scuffling in terms of production, it was nice to see Farouk step up and have maybe his best performance to date as a Sooner. Yeah, really good. And, uh, you know, can't say enough about the special teams, man. You talk about Zach Schmidt. I think the the burrito curse uh, was was only affecting Gabe Burkich, but it is not carried over to Zach Schmidt. Apparently, he doesn't eat burritos. If he does, his aren't cursed because he was unbelievable. And Michael Turk flipped the field a couple times, including 160-yarder, basically where he was right there in his end zone and maybe had like five or six yards. Uh, you know, space to punt the football. He was tremendous. What a weapon he is. And Michael Turk to get a officially a touchdown pass is very fitting because that guy has been unreal. And uh, we talked about this a little bit on the pregame show Saturday that Oklahoma, Iowa State's not very good. They have had a lot of problems on special teams, and the Sooners exploited that. And to me, the fake field goal, Parker Thune, was pretty much absolute. That was straight out of uh, – you know, a Gryffindor or something, because it was pure wizardry. Uh, it was awesome. What a call that was. And it was well executed. And Brent Venables acknowledged in post game too. And we, we'd actually already talked about this, I believe, several weeks ago in the aftermath of the Texas game. I'd mentioned on this show, Steely, that the Sooners had been workshopping quite a few fake field goal concepts. You saw one of them used in that Red River showdown against the Longhorns. But Venables said after the game, hey, look, we've had opportunities to use a couple of those plays, and we've bailed out. Uh, they basically have what, – what, the way he explained it, they have a kill call at the line of scrimmage where if they get a look that they like to be able to execute one of those uh, fake field goal play designs, they'll do it. But if not, uh, they'll just call it off and they'll kick the field goal. And so Venables had said, hey, we'd thought about running a couple of these fakes in weeks past, but – uh, this particular opportunity uh, with a chip shot 19-yard field goal attempt, uh, the way Iowa State was lined up defensively in particular, the personnel uh, that you got on Oklahoma's side versus on Iowa State's side, uh, there was a window that presented itself. There was an opportunity that presented itself, and it was flawless execution by both Michael Turk and Zach Schmidt, as well as the big boys up front clearing the path for Schmidt to the end zone uh, to be able to really swing the momentum of that football game because – a 10 to 3 lead and what ultimately became a 13 to 3 lead heading into halftime felt a lot more substantial than a 6 to 3 9 to 3 lead would have felt like no doubt no doubt about it and uh, the phrase we kept hearing over and over again after the game was complimentary football and it was uh every all three sides of the ball uh, all three phases of the game did their part in Oklahoma's win over Iowa State. All right, break time right here. I'm at Gallardia Country Club on a beautiful fall Monday. It is the For the Children Golf Classic, benefiting Feed the Children. Parker back in the Brown O'Haver Studios. We'll break right here when we get back. Let's talk a little recruiting and more right here on the home of Sooner fans, the ref.
We are back, Mike Steely, Gallardia Country Club. It is the inaugural for the children uh, golf classic, benefiting uh, feed the children, and uh, people can make a difference in the lives of uh, children who uh, are hungry, vulnerable by supporting their No Hunger Holidays campaign. With your help, they deliver resources around the country, including food and household essentials that ease the uh, pressure on parents' financial budgets to make the holidays a little more special. Children also receive books and uh, toys from Feed the Children. Uh, And you can learn more about their mission and how you can get involved at feedthechildren.org. That is feedthechildren.org. All right. Air Comfort Solutions text line is ablaze, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. Let's go ahead and fire it up, Parker. Oh, boy. Shane the Train in Newcastle is already asking, chances Jeff Levy is the next head coach at Auburn. And for Yeah, those I was thinking about loop, that. Brian Harson's gone, yeah. Brian Harson is gone as of about an hour ago. Uh, the, the Tigers just brought in a new athletic director, uh, right. Jeff Jeff Cohen, I believe is his name. Cohen. Jeff Cohen, uh, former athletic director at Mississippi State, uh, accepted the new job today as Auburn's athletic director. And literally, his first order of business was to part ways with Brian Harson midway through his second season as Auburn's head coach. And so, Tigers on the market for a new head man. Uh, I, so, there have been reports that Lane Kiffin is the top guy, which is not totally surprising. Because it, you figure, right, you're going to swing for the fences at a place like Auburn, given as much money and as much interest as there is in that circle. But I don't believe Lane Kiffin's going to be the next head coach at Auburn. I think as of right now, that's a downgrade from Ole Miss to Auburn. I, yeah, yeah. This, he's got it going at Ole Miss. The name I would watch, and it's already been thrown around quite a bit, but there's some legit steam behind it, let me tell you. Deion Sanders. Hmm, yeah, Deion maybe. Sanders. I mean, uh, Dion. Uh, if you want to create a buzz, and, uh, you know, he's done a good job there at Jackson State, no doubt. They signed a five-star kid. Uh, you know, he. You know, if you want to bring in some good athletes, uh, Dion, I think, could bring those guys in. Auburn, uh, you know, has a reputation for being one of the dirtiest programs in college football, and they've had booster issues as well. A lot of things uh, go on behind the scenes at Auburn. Remember Brent Venables? was uh, a guy that could have had the Auburn job, it looked like. Yep. And I think Brent may have thought, eh, you know, I don't know. When you talk of culture and the way Brent approaches his job, not only, uh, you know, trying to build a, a winning football team, but also molding young men and trying to make sure that they're equipped for the future after football, all that stuff, Brent's culture. I don't know if that's an Auburn type of uh, deal. Now, you could install that, but, again, you just got a lot of – Auburn always feels like when you think of a program that has a black cloud hanging over it, you kind of think of a few. Auburn, Texas A&M, any others I'm leaving out there? I mean, those would be the top two for me. Miami right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Here's another text from Sooner Gary, and I have my thoughts, but I want to hear yours first, Steely. With the K-State blowout of Oklahoma State, what a shocker that was, and TCU remaining undefeated, Does OU's losses to those teams look not as bad as originally thought? That being said, if OU can find a way to win out and win their bowl game, finishing 10-3, would their season be seen as a success or failure or somehow a little bit of both? 100% success. Because if you – 
I mean, the Titanic was taken on water, man, uh, after after the Cotton Bowl. And you're thinking, there were a lot of people who thought, Oklahoma's not going to win another game. Let's look at the remaining six games on the schedule. Where are they going to win? And uh, it's usually never quite as bad as you think it is. But it was bad, man. It was really bad. If they can get to ten wins after the way that three and three went down, where they didn't lose. I mean, the K-State game was a game where they make a few plays. They could have won that game. I mean, they, they were non-competitive at TCU. They were embarrassing at TCU. They were embarrassing in the Cotton Bowl. Now, I, I commend them for trying to come up with some kind of a game plan for the Texas game. And we know that losing Dylan Gabriel for six and a half quarters was catastrophic. But if you consider the national narrative around Oklahoma when they were 3-3, three and three, and if they win seven games to close out the season and win a bowl game, that's a success, man, because a lot of teams in that situation would have absolutely cratered. So, yes, that would be a huge success, wouldn't it? I think if you get to 10 wins, it's absolutely a success in year one, especially given the fact that you add the asterisk of the Dylan Gabriel injury to, at the very least, the Texas loss and, to a certain extent, the TCU yeah. loss. To me, yeah, I, and I don't think they were going to win TCU, and they may not have won Texas, but it wouldn't have been uh, blowout city in either of them. So to me, yeah, if you get to the ten win threshold, you'll take that in year one. Now, would you have liked to win a Big Twelve championship? Would you have liked to have a shot to play in the college football playoff? Sure, but how many universities does that happen for in year one? So, yeah, did things go completely according to plan? If you're ten and three at year's end, no. But you take the good with the bad, you take the loss to Texas on the chin, and you accept the fact that, you know what, we got straight up beat by Kansas State, we got straight up beat by TCU, but if we have our starting quarterback healthy for the entire season, maybe things turn out even more differently uh, than they would have otherwise. But I think we've we've said all along, Steely, double-digit wins would be the mark of excellence on year one for Venables. Yeah, like I said, man, based on the way that uh, two-game stretch, you can throw K-State in there too, but based on the way things went down in Fort Worth and Dallas, the Metroplex was a nightmare for Oklahoma. If they could rebound and get to 10 wins, I mean, that is unreal. All right, got to get out of here for hour number one. Thank you, last year Home Comfort Systems. Another hour to go. That's what we do, ladies and gentlemen, uh, two men talking. 
Mike Steely, Parker Thune, home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network on a Monday. I'm out on location today, Gallardia Country Club. It is the inaugural uh, For the Children Golf Classic, benefiting Feed the Children, great local organization that's been around, uh, originated in Oklahoma City in the 70s, now has a global reach, and uh, that's what they do. They feed the children here around uh, the USA and around the globe. And we'll tell you more about their organization coming up here in a little bit. And again, hour number two presented by the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Exit 72 for a great deal on a car, truck, SUV, pre-owned vehicle. Selection's hard to come by these days, but Seth and company are getting it done, finding the best deals for you with that great guarantee of oil changes and engines for life on newer used gas or diesel. Well, the Sooners' offense didn't exactly go into diesel mode on Saturday, but they were good enough, and again, uh, they ran the football pretty effectively. Iowa State, their offense is not very good at all, but that defense is pretty good, and the Sooners got the job done. Dylan Gabriel, though, was uh, saluting the Oklahoma defense afterwards. Man, it means the most to me. Uh, They played their butt off, and, you know, just the amount of time they put in at at practice, um, non, you know, mandatory times that they come in you know to to be about their business um you know it's paying off for them and shoot they helped us out in a big way today and um just gave us good field position creating turnovers so creating momentum and then man just just giving us the ball back so that, that was big no doubt about that three takeaways the special teams are great as well as far as the offensive uh, output against iowa state gabriel says not perfect but hey it is still a W. Shoot, there's a lot of throws I want back and, and want to continue to, you know, just execute and make competitive plays, but I'll never be mad with, with the win. So just super glad that for this team and, and how hard we've been working, just continue to, you know, chip away because, you know, we know there's light at the end of that tunnel and just continue to be consistent with our work. All right, so Parker Thune, the uh, Sooners favored by uh, three. I've seen three. I've seen three and a half over Baylor this weekend. Baylor got a nice win in Lubbock over the Red Raiders. Uh, How about this matchup Saturday? What do you think? It's interesting, isn't it? Because home field advantage is worth three points. So they're saying basically on a neutral field, this game's a push. Um, Baylor's a team that's had its ups and downs this year. Not as much so as OU has because – uh, it's it's hard for any team to experience what OU has experienced over the first eight games of this season in terms of ups and more specifically and more egregiously downs. But uh, you look at the arc of Baylor's season, they're coming off a very convincing win in Lubbock over Texas Tech this past weekend, 45-17 to the final. They were dominant on both sides of the ball. You, you can never really take it to the bank against a Dave Aranda team. Look, if you match these two teams up on paper, Oklahoma is the more talented program. But how many times have we said that in years past, Steely, about this Oklahoma team versus this Baylor team, and then you either end up sweating it out or, as we saw last year in Waco, you just straight up end up getting beat. And so I think home field advantage is big here being able to get Baylor on your home turf in front of your home crowd, I think that probably gives the Sooners something of an edge. I, I, I think that three-point spread is probably just about right. I'm expecting a close, well-contested football game because if your expectation is that Oklahoma's going to show up and blow Baylor out, I mean, sure, that'd be great. 
I'm not counting on it, though, Steely, because Baylor's not a team that you just show up and run roughshod on for 60 minutes. They're not going to let that happen. This is a well-coached, very sound, very resilient football team that's going to give you 60 minutes of disciplined football. Yeah, it's it's also one of my uh, favorite weeks of the year. I get to edit the Dave Aranda press conference, which is always uh, you you might be able to squeeze out about I I don't know maybe a minute of sound from about a, a fifteen minute presser or longer with Dave Aranda, and and I basically decided the way to approach it is just approach it with comedy, because there's no other way. He's not going to give you anything. Like I said, he is like. A cyborg. He's half human. He's half robot. You cut Dave Aranda open, wires come out. And uh, But he's a good football coach. They have had, as you said, uh, a little bit of a disappointing year. So this is a big game for both of these teams in terms of trying to get momentum and finish out the season uh, strongly. There is no doubt about that. And, uh, you know, the Sooners coming home. Uh, Javante Barnes did not make the trip to Ames. That was a little bit surprising. Hamstring issue there. Uh, you never know, Parker, with a hamstring, uh, you know, how much of a problem that's going to be. But, um, you know, Eric Gray was fine after the game. Uh, Marcus Major got some time. But, man, Eric Gray has been so valuable. I mean, he has been the guy that has been able to make people miss when you have that guy in the open field that, you know, a three-yard run turns into an eight-yard run or a 12-yard run. Eric Gray has been that guy. And it looks like he's going to be fine. But Javante Barnes, I guess, who knows, right, for this weekend? Yeah, it's all like you said, Steely. It's always a toss-up with hamstrings, especially at the running back position. But the early sense I get is that this isn't anything too terribly serious for Javante Barnes, and he should be able to return to action pretty expediently. It was a very late scratch. Uh, the plan all week was for him to travel, obviously, because he's RB2 right now on this Oklahoma depth chart. But... Uh, I, it sounds like Thursday at practice, uh, was where he encountered the issue. And then Friday they decided to keep him home for the weekend. So it was very late in the process that they decided to scratch Barnes from the trip. But, uh, the hope is for the very talented freshman running back, uh, that this is a one week thing and that he'll be back in action this weekend when Baylor comes to town. But as you said, look, if Javante Barnes is out of the picture, that just means all the more carries for Eric Gray. And with what he has accomplished thus far this season, especially over the past two games, 176 yards against Kansas, another 101 against Iowa State, three total touchdowns over the course of those two contests, you are altogether confident in Eric Gray to be able to shoulder darn near 100% of the workload out of the backfield if that's what it comes to. Yeah, he's been uh, he's been tough. He's been pretty durable, but uh, and his workload has been uh, pretty big, obviously. But he is, um, you know, last year I thought people were kind of yeah, I don't know about Eric Gray. I mean, he's all right, but it's nothing special. And this year he has absolutely turned into something special. There's no doubt about it. All right, later today, four-star defensive lineman Caden McDonald will be making his decision. It's down to OU, Ohio State. Clemson, the Michigan Wolverines, and Florida. And, uh, Parker, that, that decision's coming around uh, probably it would be around 5.15 Oklahoma time today. Uh, and you're thinking the Buckeyes are the favorite. They do seem like the favorite right now, Steely. Again, even on the Ohio State end, 
uh, from what I have heard. There's still a little bit of uncertainty, a little bit of skepticism as to the complete solidity of this decision. But as of right now, it does look like the Buckeyes, they, and they really made a strong surge. you got to tip your cap to Larry Johnson and the rest of that Ohio State staff because two weeks ago, Steely, I would not have put them in the top three for Caden McDonald. At that point, it looked like a race between Oklahoma, Florida, and Clemson. But the Buckeyes have made a very strong surge, and we talked about it Thursday and Friday that this thing was looking like it was going to come down to Oklahoma and Ohio State. Right now, it looks like the Buckeyes are going to win out. That's the vibe that you get several hours prior to this decision. All right, so, yeah, we'll see what happens there. We will have an interview with Caden McFarland coming up at uh, 1.35 today on the uh, Riverwind Casino Hotline, so stick around to that. We, we, at least we'll have one Caden on today. All right, uh, by the way, Monday Night Football tonight, the Bengals and the Browns, uh, Cincy at 4-3, and three, the Browns are at 2-5, and 7-15 on ESPN. How about the job the Thunder did? They've won three in a row without Josh Giddy available and uh, they beat the Mavericks in overtime by 7 117 to uh, 6 117 to 111 uh, SGA had 38 and 9 assists this was officially though the Isaiah Joe game the uh, the kid out of Arkansas who was drafted in the second round uh, by Philadelphia in 2020 he had uh, 15 points but every three he made was a crucial three and he when he was released by uh, the Sixers, it was interesting because Oklahoma City, you know, didn't waste any time scooping him up and signing him to a three-year deal. So Oklahoma City with a victory over the Dallas Mavericks again uh, over the weekend on Saturday night, and they've won three in a row. They're three and three. I mean, this is a Victor Wimbanyama that we're talking about, right? Stop winning. Stop your winning. I know it's no guarantee, but you want the best odds for the best player to come along in the NBA draft in probably 20 years. All right. Break time right here. I want to thank the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. I'm out here at Gallardia Country Club. I, it couldn't be a more perfect day out here. I mean, it's just beautiful. Uh, the temperature's great. No wind. It'd be a great day to be out on the golf course. Our man Teddy Lehman's out there right now. He didn't sound really confident his team would get the dub today, though I will tell you that. All right, Parker's back in the Brown O'Haver Studios. It's a Monday. Steel Man and Thune here on the home of Sooner fans, the ref.
a very pleasant, easy listening tune to come back to right there. Little Toto, some Africa. Very nice. Welcome back. Mike Steely here at Gallardia Country Club. It is the uh, For the Children Golf Classic, first ever here at Gallardia to benefit Feed the Children. If you want to benefit, uh, you know, kids in need and help defeat hunger, find out how at feedthechildren.org. That is feedthechildren.org. In the meantime, let's get to the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. What do we have, Parker? Oh, boy. A lot of people chiming in about a lot of different things. The Boomer Doomers have kind of won the day, Steely, because there's just not a lot of good recruiting news right now. Looks like Caden McDonald's going to pick Ohio State tonight. Uh, Obviously, Caleb Spencer flipped to Miami on Friday. So the Boomer Doomers are out in full force, I regret to inform you. and Caleb Spencer, yeah, and that dropped Oklahoma to what, number six number nationally? Six. But they can, uh, they can go out and find somebody who is more highly rated than Caleb Spencer, right? Yeah, and this I mean, is one of the things that we've talked about, right? There, were, there had been buzz for a couple weeks regarding Miami and Caleb Spencer. Uh, he always kept things very close to the vest as far as his recruitment is concerned, so it was always tough to get a reliable gauge on how real that was. But here's what we can say with certainty, Steely. It's that there's never going to be any shortage of linebacker prospects who want to come learn and develop under Brent Venables. So if there's a position where you can afford to lose a commit, you can afford to lose a commit at linebacker. And guess what? It was your lowest-ranked linebacker commit. You still got Samuel Masigo. Still got Lewis Carter. Still got Phil Pichotti in the mix. The Sooners will rebound. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, this opens up a window for Cade McIntyre to play linebacker, which is a possibility that we had talked about as well. The Sooners made a very intriguing offer over the weekend to Jordan Allen, three-star Kansas State commit out of Olathe, Kansas, who has the capacity to play both tight end and defensive end at the next level. So... I look at that situation, Steely, and I will say this. There are folks in OU circles that are very, very confident uh, that they're going to be able to work out a flip of Jordan Allen from Kansas State. If Jordan Allen's a member of this class, you have a tight end. You know that for a fact. Well, actually, you have two guys in McIntyre and Allen that you know you can put at tight end or you can flip them over to the other side of the ball and let them play linebacker. I would consider it more likely in that scenario – that McIntyre gets the nod at linebacker and Allen becomes your one tight end in the class of 2023. There are a lot of different directions things can go down the stretch for Oklahoma. And over the last few weeks, it's been very intriguing to see how this all has unfolded because for a while, uh, it was pretty clear cut as to what the board looked like down the stretch for OU. It was Tessilia Kana, Peyton Bowen, Caden McDonald, you start to work on the flip of DJ Hicks. If and you at least keep that uh, warm on the stove as a possibility, an angle that you're working, and then you look for another safety, whether that's Ryan Yates or Sedarian Harrison, Khalil Barnes, Brandon Hillman, what have you. But uh, especially in the last week or so, there have been a number of new 2023 offers that have gone out, including a new 2023 defensive lineman offer last night uh, to Marcus Strong, a fast-rising 2023 kid out of the state of Florida, six foot five, 280 pounds. So 
there may be there may end up being three or four members of this class, Steely, whose names we were not talking about at all at the beginning of the month. That's just the way things have gone down over the last few weeks in terms of OU's recruiting efforts down the stretch in 2023. But look, if this is all you get, let's just say let's just say the recruiting cycle ended today. You really going to have qualms with the number six recruiting class in the country in year one for Brent Venables? I understand that you'd like to have DJ Hicks. I understand that you'd like to have Peyton Bowen. And in the end, as I've said, I think the Sooners end up with Peyton Bowen. DJ Hicks, I'm a little bit more skeptical on still, but I do think the Sooners close with Peyton Bowen. Are you going to quibble with a top 10 recruiting class in year one for Venables and this staff? Because you shouldn't. No, I, you know, but believe me, the Boomer Doomers will always be out there, but uh, their numbers will grow as the season goes. You know, if it starts going south, uh, I don't think we have quite as many Boomer Doomers out there right now as we had certainly uh, after Fort Worth and Dallas, but they're always going to be out there. They're always going to be out there. All right, if, if you think that McIntyre could be a linebacker, right? Possibly. If, if they, then you know what you can do? You can go right back to the state of Nebraska and get your tight end in Malachi Coleman. Well, and there are people talking about that on the Air Comfort <laughs> Solutions text line, too. Look, here's the reality. Hey, here's the key difference that you have to keep in mind between Jordan Allen and Malachi Coleman. Jordan Allen's 240 pounds. Malachi mm-hmm. Coleman's 205. One can play tight end right away. One needs two or three years, probably. Yeah. I don't know. I just have a bad feeling about seeing a lot of super spectacular Malachi Coleman highlights and thinking about, man, he could have been an OU. You never know. Yeah, never again, know. look, I, I concur we'll that see. OU should have made room for the guy. They should have taken his commitment. But uh, the OU staff gets paid a lot more money than I do, and they make a lot more important decisions than I do. So I'll yield to them on that one. Okay, uh, back to this, you know, Auburn firing Brian Harson. What do you think Jeff Levy's uh, chances would be? Now, Oklahoma has been, look, they're, they're, they're trying to right the ship here and turn it around, and they're heading in a more positive direction. But it, overall, by Oklahoma standards, clearly it's been a disappointing season. What do you think, uh, you know, number one, Auburn's interest in Jeff Levy would be if Oklahoma, you know, uh, keeps coming back and winning games and, uh, getting better on offense, and what do you think Jeff Levy's interest would be? Well, here's the way I look at it, Steely, and this is no knock on Jeff Levy. I just think this is the nature of the circumstances down in Auburn. I don't think they're going to have any interest in Jeff Levy because I think they're going to try to swing for the fences. I think they're going to try to make a splash hire. Yeah, and yeah. a first-time head coach isn't a splash hire. Mm-hmm. We heard the immediate buzz, the immediate smoke for Lane Kiffin. Again, that wasn't shocking because uh, he would be a slam dunk splash hire. I don't know. I, offhand, I don't think he leaves Ole Miss for Auburn. But you're talking about the potential of hiring a guy like Deion Sanders. Again, I can foresee that happening. I can certainly foresee that happening, and there's already some credible buzz to support that notion. But it would if it's if it's not Deion Sanders, it'll be somebody whose name carries a lot of weight nationally. Yeah, it, it looks like uh, Auburn needs a, a splash hire, right? And, um, you know, with Oklahoma and Texas coming aboard, and they, they need to get some momentum back in that program. We, we didn't know that Brian Harson was going to survive the offseason. He certainly 
once they hired the new AD, you kind of knew, you know, the head was on the chopping block. And uh, Auburn did make that move today. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. And, look, um, you know, Oklahoma's offense has been pretty good with Dylan Gabriel in there for the most part. And, again, he's missed some throws, and I'm not saying that Dylan Gabriel's a great quarterback. He's not in the league of, of Caleb Williams, of course, but he's not bad, pretty good. Uh, you know, it, it was on the receivers mainly, obviously, in Ames over the weekend, but they still got the W, and that's the bottom line. So we'll see. We shall see. But I'm with you. I think that, uh, you know, the, the rumor about Dion, um, the job he's done there, I mean, you had college game day there for a Jackson State game. So he's drawn a lot of attention to that program. There's no doubt about it. No question. All right. Um, NFL over the weekend, anything stand out to you? Jalen Hurts and the Eagles are still rolling. They are, uh, you know, they're the only undefeated team. you got Philly at 7-0, Buffalo, Minnesota at 6-1 now. Dallas, the Giants uh, at 6-2. you got Kansas City at 5-2, Tennessee at 5-2 now. Uh, the two Bays are struggling. Tampa and Green Bay at three and five. The Rams dropped to three and four. Man, throw the 49ers very much in the mix in the NFC with Christian McCaffrey. All he did is throw a touchdown, catch a touchdown, and run for a touchdown yesterday. That that was a great get. There were some rumors that Buffalo was looking at adding Christian McCaffrey, and I, and I know that uh, San Francisco still has Jimmy G at quarterback now, but. Man, that seems like uh, the kind of move that could win maybe the 49ers, the NFC. And, you know, they've got a long way to go to get home field advantage and stuff like that. Things will have to change. But, and I got to tell you, Parker, I am, I, I wasn't a big believer in Jalen Hurts at the NFL level. Um, but, man, he is, uh, he's very much right now in the MVP uh, conversation with somebody like Josh Allen. Uh, you will see what Mahomes does, and uh, but Jalen Hurts is very much in that conversation right now. It's hey, been unbelievable. Who, who would have imagined that among Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, and Jalen Hurts, the guy that would yep. be having the most success at the NFL level by the year 2022 would be Jalen Hurts. By the way, as of 30 minutes ago, it is official, Baker Mayfield has been benched as the starting quarterback of the Carolina Panthers. They are moving forward with P.J. Walker, the XFL's own P.J. Walker. As their starting QB, so well, it, I mean, it was kind of unofficial already, right? I mean, he started again yesterday, but uh, you know, I, I guess you know, a Baker one hundred percent healthy or whatever. But uh, I, my question is, will Baker Mayfield start another game? Will he ever appear as a starting quarterback in the NFL again? I would say. The I mean, I'm, I'm talking about as they take him, uh, not via injury, just going somewhere else. And winning a starting job. Uh, well, I. <laughs> it's hard for me to confidently say yes at this. But like, here's the, here's the thing: I don't doubt that we will see Baker Mayfield starting games at the NFL level again. But the circumstances of said starts, I don't know if I can confidently predict what they will be because it's really yeah. tough right now to look at his situation. Uh, look at what the market is going to be for his services this offseason and conclude that, yeah, he's going to go somewhere with a legit shot to be the number one guy. I don't know if you can expect that right now. Yeah, 
quarterback uh, quarterbacking in the National Football League is a difficult job. It's a prestigious job, but, man, you've got to perform. And Baker, obviously, this year. And, look, Carolina, again, um, they, they were challenged already. But uh, think about it. The, the minute they traded Robbie Anderson, the minute they traded Christian McCaffrey, you were thinking maybe it's a better situation if Baker gets out of there after this year. But uh, he certainly did not perform when he was in there. All right, Riverwind Casino, ladies and gentlemen, over 2,800 electronic games, all your favorite table games, great poker room, best bars and dining, and the very best promotions as well. How about this one? It's underway already. The electric earnings promotion gets a featured monthly gift in the electric earnings promotion out at Riverwind. This month you can earn 500 points on your wild card if you earn 500 points on your Riverwind wild card, you're going to receive a pair of JBL wireless earbuds, courtesy of our friends at Riverwind Casino. They've got more great promotions coming up. The Goal Line giveaway begins tomorrow. Actually, that'll be tonight at midnight. Earn points on your wild card. Won a trip to the 2022 Conference Championship game in Dallas. They'll give away uh, several of those, so get your wild card ready. The Goal Line giveaway begins tomorrow. And, of course, we have Beats and Bites Friday night. Bedlam style. Friday night, November 18th, the Eli Young Band with Wade Bowen opening. Tickets are $5 at the box office and at riverwind.com. Great local food trucks out there. It's a family-friendly environment. Bring your folding chairs. Bring the kids. You'll have a great time. $5 is a bargain for Bedlam Beats and Bites. $5 again right now at riverwind.com or at the box office. Another reason why Riverwind Casino is simply the best. Break time right here. Kate McFarland joins us next on the Riverwind Casino Hotline. We'll talk what else, college football, coming up next. Yes, he is a Notre Dame fan, Cade McFarland, uh, KJRH in Tulsa, sports director, joining us on the Riverwind Casino Hotline. Big game for the Irish coming up against Clemson. Uh, That is an NBC game, and uh, that will be happening on uh, Saturday night, right? I think it's a 6.30 kick, Clemson and Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame, Caden, are they are they riding the ship? Are, are they maybe kind of the same path as Oklahoma? The Irish now at five and three. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. New coach, figuring some things out. 
Uh, I think they're playing better. I, I think uh, that this matchup is probably all wrong for them because they're a team that really wants to run, establish the run, and Clemson's probably the wrong outfit to, to try that sort of game plan against. Um, so I, I don't feel great about this, this ball game. I was a little surprised. I assume that line's been bet up from the three or three and a half it, it started at in favor of Clemson. Um, don't like the matchup, but you know how it is, Steely. By, by Friday or Saturday, I'll be irrationally confident and just uh, all kinds of fired up to watch the Irish. Maybe, maybe, maybe give Clemson all they can handle. All right, Caden. So as far as Oklahoma's concerned, got a winning streak in Norman. Second consecutive victory for Oklahoma uh, coming off the bye. Uh, of course, they beat Kansas. Uh, then they go up to Ames, knock off Iowa State 27-13. to And what was a very, I guess the most appropriate word would be different. It was a different yeah, style of football game than Oklahoma fans are used to seeing. What did you think overall of how the Sooners took care of business? I thought it was a nice step forward. Um, you know, you at the end of the day, you beat those guys by as many points as the other four teams that had defeated them so far uh, did combined. And so it, it was a good performance, even though it was atypical. It wasn't always pretty, but I think that they, they followed the script. I, I think the coaching staff had a good idea of what needed to be done to pull off a win in Ames, and, and the players followed it. So that's a really nice step forward. Here's the thing we're discovering in the Big 12, um, you know, Certainly all the evidence you need is what happened to Oklahoma State over the weekend. It, there, are, there are no off weeks. There are no, are no breathers. And so, you know, this next week, you got the defending champs, a team that is probably, I'd, I'd say, highly motivated because they've taken a couple of losses along the way that maybe they weren't expecting in Baylor. Um, you know, that's a tough team. You know, I was talking about sort of the, the challenge that Clemson poses for Notre Dame because of what they have up front. That's what you're facing um, to a large extent in Baylor. Uh, you know that even though they've lost a couple of times, people have had some success against them. A defensive line like that will travel, and uh, so the challenge will be immense for OU. And you're only as good as you know the last performance. So it it was good for the Sooners. I do think uh, you can see Brent Venables figuring some things out as a head coach as he goes along. Uh, it is. Um, to be admired that they bounced back from the loss to Texas in the way that they have, because uh, that's as low as it gets, and you could see a team go in the tank, and clearly they haven't gone in the tank. Uh, but that doesn't mean that I look at this as, you know, I'm not looking too far ahead at the schedule and thinking, okay, if this happens, if that happens, maybe 9-3. and three. I just, I, I, don't see, I don't see this team winning out, even though, you know, mathematically it's possible, but the Big 12 is just, that tough. And here's something I tweeted last week. I believe this firmly. I'd be interested. I know it's not going to happen. In no way is this actually going to happen. But I think if Clemson takes even one loss, a Big 12 champion deserves to be in the college football playoff, whether it's a two-loss champion or even a three-loss champion. I think the Big 12 champ would deserve to go into the playoff more than a one-loss Clemson in this particular year because there simply are no bad teams. And I've watched college football for a long time. And I don't know that I can ever remember a conference this good top to bottom. Yeah, there, there's a, I don't know that there's a great team. TCU's trying to make that case, but there are a lot of good teams. Uh, you know, I don't think Iowa State's really good, but on one side of the football, they're pretty good. And they're, they're certainly not a total patsy either. But, uh, yeah, I, we'll find out what happens. We get the first college football playoff uh, ratings coming out tomorrow night. 
the Big 12, though, yeah, like we've talked about, there aren't any easy putts, no tap-in putts in the Big 12 this year, that's for sure. All right, since it's Halloween, Caden, what was the more frightening horror movie, the manhandling in Manhattan or the kicking in the Cotton Bowl? I, I know what was more stunning. I mean, it, obviously what happened in Manhattan was more stunning. I mean, I, I, I almost don't want to even use his name, but the very first time I saw Davis Bevel try and attempt to pass in the Cotton Bowl, I think I had a pretty good idea how that story was going to end. I mean, that just they were at an extreme disadvantage. That was wrong place, wrong time, wrong lineup uh, on that day. OSU, I, I, I'm still trying to figure it out. Um, I, I think that there are lots of answers. I, I, obviously, Mike Gundy gave a stab at it uh, over the weekend, you know, by saying that he didn't prepare the guys well. I mean, obviously, they weren't prepared. Uh, but I, I think on the heels of every game in the Big 12 is tough, but that's an especially difficult stretch when you're going at TCU and then an incredibly emotional come-from-behind victory over Texas and then getting the most physical group of that bunch on the back end on the road at Kansas State, team that was highly motivated, um, you know, obviously OSU was not prepared for that, but there's got to be more to it than just that. The running game is even worse than probably we suspected, and we knew that it wasn't a strength. And Spencer Sanders' health, certainly by now, after what happened to him in the late stages of that ball game, his health is even worse than we suspected. And so the outlook for OSU is not great going forward, and that's part of what makes what happened in Manhattan so awful. Uh, for OU... It was the third loss in three games, and that was a that was a low point, a valley that none of us expected preseason. But in the moment, okay, uh, you know, and they were able to to bounce back. They got a bit of a break in the schedule, as much of a break as there can be uh, in the Big Twelve right now. For OSU, a team that just a couple of weeks ago I thought was better than TCU, just happened to come out on the wrong end of the scoreboard on that day. Uh, now Arlington feels a very long way away, and feels like there's a very low percentage chance that they'll actually end up getting to play for the Big 12 championship. And if Spencer Sanders' health is not right, they can absolutely lose any of these games going forward. And, and a season that appeared to be really, really special after one of the really special wins Mike Gundy's had, uh, you know, beating Texas a couple of weeks ago, everything looks different now. There's some whiplash there. And you do wonder how this Cowboy culture will respond. Uh, you know, will these guys be able to put the pieces together in much the same way the Sooners have had to do uh, the last couple of weeks. I, I, I wouldn't necessarily go to the betting window on that. Speaking of the betting window, Caden, here's an interesting question for you. Who's favored when Oklahoma State comes to Norman three weeks from now? Boy, that is a great question. Uh, everything I thought about what Bedlam was going to be, let's say, four or five days ago, it's just about flipped. Um, I, to me, if Spencer Sanders is healthy and if we see OSU rebound and if they look nothing like it, if we look back just, let's say, six days from now and see what happened in Manhattan is just some sort of perfect storm, OSU is rebounded, uh, I, I would make them maybe a very, very slight favorite. Uh, but my hunch is that's probably not how it's going to play out. And so it, if I had to go to the betting window now, yeah, I, I definitely think the Sooners, especially considering that series history and where the game's being played, I, I think the Sooners will probably end up being favored in this game, which there is no way you could have convinced me of that, uh, you know, other than a Spencer Sanders' injury. But there's no way you could convince me of that even three days ago. Caden, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Good luck to the Irish this weekend. We will talk oh, to you again soon. My pleasure. Thank you, boys. 
All right, uh, Parker, who is your favorite Notre Dame player of all time? My favorite Notre Dame player favorite of all time. Favorite Notre Dame player of all time. You can't say Peyton Bowen yet. <laughs> well, you know my feelings on that situation. Favorite Notre Dame player of all time. I'm not nearly old enough to answer this question authoritatively, Steely. Ugh. Why don't Who you pick Hiawatha Francisco? That's one of the great names of all time. That's an actual person's name that played at Notre Dame? Hiawatha Francisco. He would have been like, hey, he was like one of the top five running backs in the country. I, I'm trying to think if he came out of Cincinnati Moeller. I think he may have come out of that area. You can go ahead and Google him up. Hiawatha Francisco. And, uh, yeah, uh, I'm trying to think. I mean, it's easy. You could say Joe. Vegas Ferguson was another great name of a uh, Notre Dame running back. I might have to go with, like, Vegas Ferguson. Wasn't a Rick Myrer fan. Um, I, I, Tony Rice was a good quarterback, last national championship team, right, that Notre Dame had. But I'm going to go with the two, uh, the two great running back names, Hiawatha Francisco and Vegas Ferguson. Back in the days of really big shoulder pads. If you Google an image, you'll see those. All right, got to get out of here for this segment. Want to thank uh, Kate McFarland joining us on the one and only Riverwind Casino Hotline. We'll come back. Some final notes on recruiting. Caden McFarland, or Caden McFarland, Caden McFarland's already committed to Channel 2 in Tulsa. Caden McDonald will make his decision coming up later today. We'll talk about that when we get back right here on The Ref. All right, welcome back. Headed down the stretch. We've got a few minutes left. We'll go to the text line here in just a moment. Uh, I just met uh, Todd Donnan for the first time. Jim Donnan's son, quarterback for Jim at uh, Marshall, uh, Norman High, of course, back in the day. I'd never met Todd and uh, was uh, his quarterback's coach when Jim Donnan was at Georgia. And I think Jim Donnan finished up at Georgia in the year 2000. I almost did the old Conan O'Brien thing there. But, uh, yeah, and uh, super nice guy out here playing at uh, Gallardia in this big event today, the inaugural For the Children Golf Classic, benefiting Feed the Children. And last year they reached 8 million people in the U.S. They do great work all around uh, the United States and the globe. They're in eight different countries as well to find out how you can help to feed hunger and help families in need, not just with uh, food, but they also – you know, they uh, they get resources to struggling families other than food, personal care items, shampoo, razors, toothpaste, all of that stuff, cleaning supplies. They do a little bit of everything in helping people at Feed the Children. To find out how you can get involved and help, it is feedthechildren.org. That is feedthechildren.org. But it was, it was cool to meet uh, Todd Donnan. And he did say he likes Georgia big this weekend in that matchup 
with Tennessee. But he's got a little dog blood in him. We know that. All right, Parker, you want to get to the Air Coverage Solutions text line to wrap it up today? Let's do it, Steely. We have one texter that says, I just delivered a package to Steely's house. Shay is extremely nice. Yeah, Shay told me about that. She, I can't remember. I think she got a, a new laptop today, and she said, yeah, the uh, – I think it was at the UPS guy. The I, I'm not sure which service it was. But she goes, the guy just asked me if this was Shea Stadium. And uh, she said, yes, yes, it is. He was laughing about it. Said he was super nice. So, yeah, that's cool. Shea got a kick out of that. Thank you. Uh, on the topic of favorite Notre Dame players, we have Tim Brown, Paul Horning, Rudy, mm-hmm. Rocket Ismail, uh, Manti Teo's girlfriend, and <laughs> Rocky Blyer. Rocky Blyer, what a story he was, man. Wounded at Vietnam. They weren't sure if he was going to walk again. Came back, became a a, a really important player for uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, of course. Didn't I, I'm trying to think if they did a 30-30 or if it was like an NFL Network special on uh, Rocky Blyer. Oh, yeah, but, I, I, uh, I remember that. That, w- that must have been, what, 15 where he went, years ago he, by now. Didn't he go back to Vietnam and he was getting all emotional and – so it's a cool deal. Oh, you is a Hiawatha. By the way, Hiawatha, Francisco, Cincinnati, Moeller. Thank you very much. Like I said, if you can go back to the seventies, I can remember a lot of stuff. You go back to seven minutes ago, crickets. But I just found the Hiawatha, Francisco's picture. You would have been if you would have been rec- covering recruiting back in that time period. You would have been probably talking to Hiawatha Francisco some. Interesting. Hiawatha mm-hmm. Francisco, what a name. Uh, OU is a six-point favorite right now in Bedlam, says one listener. Uh, wow. that, that That line will move naturally as we find out what happens over the next two weeks for both those programs. But as of right now, uh, it, would, it would appear OU is a six-point favorite. Uh, another listener kind of – counting on a chain reaction here if lane kiffin were to leave ole miss would ole miss not try to hire levy maybe i'm wrong but i think that's what they would do yeah okay and that's there's merit to that too if lane kiffin were to leave ole miss for any reason yes i do think jeff levy would be in contention to be the next head coach at ole miss does that mean he would for sure get the job does that mean you should instantaneously be quite worried about Jeff Lebby's future at Oklahoma? Not necessarily, but his name would get thrown around, no doubt. That is a situation in which you could see uh, Oklahoma's offensive coordinator coming into play uh, as a head coaching candidate elsewhere, but I don't think that happens at Auburn. The path would have to be Lane Kiffin to Auburn, therefore Ole Miss needs a new head coach. Yeah, I'm with you on that. All right, we have time for uh, one or two more real quick. Uh, what about Matt Rule to Auburn? Man, Matt Rule is going to be – this is going to be the offseason of Matt Rule. Matt Rule's name is going to get thrown around in every single coaching vacancy. The entire, yeah. the enti- However long this coaching carousel spins, Matt Rule's name is going to get linked with virtually every single big-name opening in college football. Matt Rule seems like a better fit at, like, Nebraska than he does Auburn, right? I mean, I don't think – Auburn, when I think of Auburn, I think of slimy. And uh, I don't think of Matt Rule as slimy. So, I don't know. I mean, I, but 
Which is the better? I mean, Auburn clearly has won a couple national championships, um, you know, and have they won both of those since Nebraska won? I'm trying to remember, but um, Nebraska's a tough job, but you know what? Auburn and the SEC, you know, you can win there. Obviously, they've won championships there, but it's only going to get tougher with Oklahoma and Texas because uh, the Sooners are going to, they're, they're going to get better, there's no doubt. But, I don't know, Matt Rule and Auburn just don't seem like a fit. But you know what changes people's minds? Money. See the David Hicks situation on uh, Commitment Day. One final little factoid to close out the show. This comes from a listener in the 731. In 2021, Appalachian State spent $9.7 million on their football program. Jimbo Fisher is making $9 million this season alone. Jimbo, I tell you what, Connor Wagman looked good, though, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He did. That yeah. boy's going to be good. He good, all right. Yes, he is. But A&M, another, another L over the weekend. Now at 3-5, getting ready to host Florida this week in College Station. All right. Thanks to the Seth Wadley Auto Group. Thanks to Feed the Children, the great people out here at Gallardia. And, of course, the one... And only Riverwind Casino. Stay tuned to get locked in up next.